Praise the Lord, everybody. <clears throat> praise the Lord, everybody. I'll say it again. Praise the Lord, everybody. Wasn't worship amazing today? Byron Case used to say it like this, the presence of the Lord is here. And it's a shame that when he's in the building, we don't want to miss him. There's a song that I'm not going to sing, but it's called, I'm no longer a slave. In other words, I'm no longer scared of the things that I've been fearful of, that I've spent my life avoiding. The things that have crippled my confidence, the things that stopped me from moving forward. You know, all those things that we think about when we sing about we're moving forward. And that one thing that doesn't allow us to move forward pops up in our head. And yet we continue to sing the song because we want that to be real. I would say the anointing of the Lord was in here today to make that real. Pastor has been talking about providence, God's providence. God's providence teaches you to see the world in a whole new way. Instead of looking for the Lord and the miraculous, you look for him in the everyday when you think about God's providence. You're not trying to figure out if God is going to show up. You're looking to figure out where God is going to show up. You're not hoping that he might appear. You're really confident that he's going to and you just haven't seen him yet. This is not Charlie Brown kicking the football and getting it pulled away from him every time he goes to kick it. It is a faithful God that we serve that puts us in position to be successful and to actually kick that ball as hard and as far as the Lord would determine it needs to go. See, there's something about God's providence. You just walk differently when you begin to understand God's providence. So when you, talk, when you sing about, uh, this is the air that I breathe, you're hanging on to every breath of the word of God. Because providence causes an uncommon expectation. Because you expect him now to show up. And if we were honest, most times we're hoping he appears. Like Charlie Brown, the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. They sit in a pumpkin patch waiting for someone to show up who never appears and, and he hangs on for the next year saying maybe he'll come back next year. Sometimes that's how we wait on the Lord. As if we missed him somewhere or he missed us, that he walked by and passed us and left us where we sat. Providence says, no way. The only thing that's missing is you missed me when I passed by the last time. My prayer is this throughout the course of this year, let's not even talk about this year, over the course of the next week, that you recognize God's providence in a new way. That we come back on Tuesday and we, yeah, I said Tuesday, we come back on Tuesday. Did I say again? We, oh yeah, we come back on Tuesday and then we come back on Sunday talking to our, our friends and our neighbors about how you watch God move. Yeah. 
in the middle of the week. There's not enough conversation about where God moved. Yes, the government shutdown is important because it changes and it stretches us to look for the Lord in different ways. It challenges us not to miss him. And no, we're not mismaking light of people who are missing paychecks. That's real. But God's ability to fill the cupboard is real too. Before I actually get into my preaching minutes, <laughs> as an 11-year-old, my grandmother had um, an aneurysm that burst. And so my mom spent day and night at the hospital. And I was the oldest of four at that point. And there was no, literally no food in the cupboard. And so, again, you can tell how many cartoons I watch. Um, it's like you're looking at the guy beside you in a mirage and you see him as a piece of chicken. We were that kind of hungry because there was nothing in there. Until I heard a knock on the door. To this day, I don't know who was at that door. I know there was a box of food in the, at the front door, though. Now, again, me and my brothers were all fast, so we were all running out different ways, directions of the house, trying to figure out who it was because they couldn't have gone by car because we would have heard it. God's providence, he sent an angel. So if he did it then, what changes now? If we believe that the Lord is who he is, he says, I am the Lord and therefore I change not. Because he says, if I change, you sons of Jacob would already be consumed. You'd already be eaten up. You'd already be eaten alive. You'd already be buried in your grave. But because I'm so constant that I don't change, I don't shift. I don't care about the government shutdown in those senses. The government doesn't impede my ability to meet your need. And neither does a president who doesn't follow me. He has no bearing on my ability to meet your need. So if you remember nothing else today, remember God's providence is real. Start looking for him differently, actively. Pursuing when you places where you may see him. Because God is on the move. It's almost like catch me if you can though because he's not slowing down. So you have to pray for another level of sensitivity so your eyes will be fixed on what he's doing next. Jacob said it this way. He said, surely the Lord was in this place. And I didn't even know it. After everything had happened, after the spirit of the Lord had kind of walked away, he has a revelation that he was here. He was here. And surely I missed it. We don't want to miss that, do we? Now, there are going to be some times when revelation comes late and we'll catch on to it. But I believe the Lord wants us to have a bird's eye view of what he's doing because it empowers us to speak of his glory to people who don't understand and disbelieve who he is. Okay, so now I'm going into my real preaching minutes. 
You know, the one thing we've talked about is the upgrade 2.0, and this year uh, is we are going to upgrade some things. And, and today, the thing we're going to upgrade is upgrade our mindset. Everybody say mindset. mindset. You know, we spend our life upgrading things. Does anybody agree with that? Right? Husbands, how many times have you got the conversation that this kitchen is too old or this stove and refrigerator is too old? It's a little beat up, and, and, we, and we need to upgrade. Fellas, how many of you have had that conversation? right? We upgrade our wardrobe, things that get too small, right? And so we change out what we have in there and we add some new things into our closets. We upgrade vehicles because our vehicles are getting older or they've been in an accident. And so when we go back to replace the car, we get the car that we wish we had got the first time and it provides the perfect opportunity to upgrade, right? And so we upgrade our vehicles. We also upgrade our technology. I am the worst defender of that. Um, each time the, the iPad or the iPhone or the i something comes out, somehow I have figured out how to make sure that I have that within a month of its release. <laughs> I use restraint sometimes, and so sometimes I intentionally wait two or three months, um, hoping that the price is going to go down. But with Apple, we know nothing goes down with them. And so then I wind up going ahead and purchasing it. But the one thing that lags behind is the upgrade of our mind. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful today for an opportunity to upgrade our mindset. Father, we thank you for your divine providence and helping us see you differently and see you more clearly. And so we ask today as we begin to upgrade our mind, that you would continue to not only challenge us, but change us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. But the last thing we have a tendency to upgrade is to upgrade our mind. See, here's what happens. If we don't upgrade our mind, we make poor choices in the other places that we make upgrades, right? So if your mindset hasn't changed, when you go to upgrade purchases, upgrade uh, clothing, wardrobes, technologies, you make some poor choices because your thinking is the same as it was before you purchased. And so, you know, it says free your mind and the, and, and the rest will follow. We not, we, we let never, we're trying to allow our mind to follow what we purchased or what we're trying to upgrade. And so some of our, our upgrades are faulty, Right, it's like going in uh, to a house and changing uh, changing the light bulb when your electrical work really needs to be redone. That light bulb might work for a day or two, or even for a few minutes, but unless the hard wiring of your electric is upgraded, then you're still going to have the same shorting out, blowing fuses, and everything else that you had in between. So when we talk about mindset, what is mindset to begin with? Mindset is an established set of attitudes that we hold. Established meaning solidified. They've been in our psyche for a period of time. And because they've been in our psyche for that period of time, it becomes an attitude that is firmly set in our mind and in our heart, which are both connected. You know, we've heard this principle before. Attitude determines approach, and approach determines your success or failure. Here's the funny thing. How you draw near 
Approach means to draw near or nearer to someone in time or distance, right? Approach, it means to draw nearer. You cannot say you're approaching someone while you're standing still. Approaching requires forward movement. It requires steps forward. It requires a change in your current direction. The mind is actively engaged in every pursuit that we make. Whether we believe it or not, every decision starts with a thought that we've had, starts in the mind, and then is also colored by the condition of our hearts. You know, there are five things. We're only going to tackle one today, but there are five things where we need to change our view and our mindset. Number one, we need an upgrade on our view of God. Because how you see him shapes the manner in which you approach him. If you don't see him correctly, you don't approach him correctly, right? If you don't believe he's good, you don't approach him as good. If you're not confident he's going to meet your need, then you won't approach him like he has the ability to meet your need. Second is the view of yourself. Despite your flaws, you are God's masterpiece. I didn't say it. He said it. I would echo it, but the Lord said it. You are his masterpiece. And so that view has to change. You've also got to change your view of your surroundings. How you see the territory or the geography that you live, that you work, and that you travel in. Number four, how you view your circumstances. Is it, God, is it God's providence or is it life's accident? I'll say that again. Is it God's providence or life's accident? How do you view your circumstances? And that last view is how you view people. How you view people. Are people God sent and God used or, or are people just a thorn in your flesh? Does the Lord send them at times and uses it to help you grow? Or is it something that you push away and don't want to be bothered by so that you can focus in your own spiritual little bubble and isolate yourself, even though we've always been told that growth never comes in isolation. It comes in community. We just never clarified which community that is. Because the community that fights against you is just as valuable as a community that fights for you. Because the people who fight against you are ultimately God is trying to show you something in how you handle and minister to them in that particular circumstance. Even as they fight against you, the Lord is teaching you something as they fight oppositionally against you. But the people who fight for you are sent for the same manner and it's to make sure that you learn what the Lord is trying to teach you. But the one that we're going to solve today is number one. We're going to talk through. And it's our view of God. Everybody say our view of God. 
I'm going to stay calm as long as I can. Um, at some point, I promise you, I'm going to start screaming. And it's, and it's out of total excitement. So I'm just, you know, warning you a little bit. When we look at how we view God, God takes the lead role in how you see him. Right? And how you think of him, how you receive him. In Romans 12, 2, he says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your by the renewing of your if your mind is renewed, he says, then you can prove, show proof of what the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God really is. But if your mind is is not renewed, you can't prove anything. Right? A renewed mind helps you give proof to what God is doing in your life, gives you confidence in what he's doing in your life, and talks to, an un- to a, a dying world about who God really is, whether they want to receive him or not. They ain't got to receive him, but you know they see him. Romans says it clearly. You saw it, you receive it, you just reject it, but you're going to see it. In the way I live, because God has renewed my mind, I'm going to treat you differently whether you like it or not. I'm going to figure out how to deal with you, even if I go home and pull my hair out in prayer. I'm going to figure out how to deal with you on the job, because I know that this is what the Lord wants. And because he's changed my thinking, he's giving me strategy and practicality on how to deal with you while I'm at my job. But it's the renewal of the mind. He says, let me help you change the way you think. Let me help you do that. So the Lord takes the lead and the lead comes from his word. And so the more you're in his word, the more your mindset changes. Your mind will never change outside of the confines of understanding the power of his word. Circumstances can teach you quite a bit and the Lord can get your attention through circumstances. But nothing is a better teacher than the word of God, right? You know, someone asked me the other day, what happens when uh, scripture seems contradictory? I said, well, then you go back and ask the one who wrote it. Wherever I don't understand it, I'm gonna go back and ask the person who wrote it. I don't have time to, to, to listen to you meander and say, well, you know, God is not good. He's not real. Great. Well, what about this contradictory chapter? Well, what about all the rest of the verses that are already really clear to you? So you want to focus on the contradiction or do you want to focus on the real? Like if you're going to focus on the contradiction, I can't help you. But if you're going to focus on the real, I can be really helpful for you. Here's a, here's a, here's a funny thing. You know, when people are... Um, trying to figure out counterfeit money. They don't figure out counterfeit money because they study counterfeit money. They figure out counterfeit money because they study the real thing. They know what the real thing looks like. So when counterfeit shows up, they don't even pay it any attention. Why? Because it's irrelevant because I know what the real thing is. And when the Lord is trying to change your mind, he just wants you to be aware of what the real thing is. He wants you to be aware, doesn't want you to be ignorant of those things. I'm going to read this verse, and then I'm going to ask you to help me solve a problem that exists in my house. Okay? It's not you, sweetie. It's all right. It's all right. It's not you. We're good. I want that ride home to be good. I won't, I won't do that now. 
<laughs> Hebrews 4 and 16 says this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, everybody say there. there. This is where the wheels are about to come off the bus. There, we will receive his mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it. Here's what it says in the message version. It says, so let's walk up right, to, let's just walk right up to him and get what he's so ready to give. Take the mercy and accept the help. Take the mercy, accept the help. So let's unpack this a little bit through this problem I have at my house. My problem at my house is, is I don't own anything anymore. <laughs> and no one told, prepared me for that. Own nothing. My boys take everything. I walk into my drawer looking for undershirts, undershirts gone. I'm looking for socks. You know you have your special socks. Like I'm very particular about my Nike socks, right? My ankle socks. I go to my drawer, my ankle socks are gone. Why don't I have any socks? I go to get my gadgets. I can't find my iPad. Now I've learned not to look in places that I might have left them. I've learned to look for my kids. Can't find my Apple Pencil. Thank God. Hold my Apple Pencil up. I got to, see, there we go. Dropped the two. My Apple Pencil, I have to hold on to that for dear life. Because whenever they touch my iPad, sometimes that goes missing. But lo and behold, where's daddy's iPad, iPad pencil? Someone invariably says, oh, dad, it's over here. Really? And the restrictions don't matter. I'll ask. I'll say, hey, before you use my computer, before you use any of my stuff, would somebody come ask me, please? Do you think that matters to them? <laughs> Obviously not. I thought I was the only one. I was about to go to counseling for parents because I thought I was in trouble. I don't know how to control my children. They're in everything I got. I can't eat freely, can't eat, can't eat, can't eat. My birthday was last week. They, that, but Shaniqua bought home my, my favorite plate, bought home pork chops and, 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 and cabbage. And I, they finished their food. All of a sudden, everybody's looking at my plate. No, 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 no. So everybody's giving me the sad face like, Dad, you're so mean. Yep. 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 I am mean. You're not eating everything I got. But why do they do that to me? What is the problem? There really isn't one. I'm dad. Right? And so they believe they can come get from me whatever they want. There is never a hesitation in their heart and in their mind that I can walk in and take his socks. It is not a question. It is not a question because I'm dad. So when the scripture says, come boldly before the throne of grace, why do we walk sheepishly to a father who wants to give us something free every time? Why do we tiptoe around healing? Why do we tiptoe around deliverance? Why do we tiptoe around financial health and help? Why do we tiptoe around something that he promised he wants to give us? 
promise he said he wants to give it to us. He said, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And then he says one word. He says there. Everybody say there. At that place, that location, that geography, that straight of state of mind, if you come there, if you come to that place, I have something for you if you get there. Not here, not over here, but if you get there, there is something that I have for you. Psalms 133 says it this way. It says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil that runs down the head of Aaron and down onto his beard and then down to her skirt. And then the scripture says, there the Lord commanded a blessing. Right there, right there, he commanded a blessing. Where is he commanding a blessing? He's commanding a blessing in the place of your boldness. That's the upgrade that you have to make in your mind. Providence doesn't make any sense detached from boldness. Because you will never expect God in, those, in that way if you cannot figure out how to come boldly. What does it mean to come boldly? It says, be confident and courageous and willing to take a risk. Say strong, it says strong, vivid, and clear appearance, boldly. We talk about that person made a bold statement or they're wearing a bold outfit or this person, and we talk about them badly. Yeah, she was bold or he was bold. I can't believe he walked up to me and said that. Next time he walks up to me like that, I'm gonna hit him in the face if he does that same thing. Because what he said, that was really bold. He's not supposed to walk up in my space like that. Has he lost his mind? We talk about boldness all the time. And yet in our faith where boldness is required, it's the least to exercise. Because somehow in our mind, we have not got it into our hearts and our spirits when he says, listen, just come to me and take the free. Uh, he says, get ready, take the mercy and accept the help. What does he promise when we get to that place? He promises a reception. Right? He promises a reception. He says, when you get there, here's what you will receive. He doesn't wait for you to get there before he spells it out. He says, once you get here, here's what you will receive. On the one hand, he says, you'll receive mercy. In other words, you won't get what you really deserve. What really should have happened to us, it's not happening, right? The way it really should have went down, the, he didn't give that to us, right? That's his mercy, right? And then he says, but on the other end, I will give you grace when you need it. What is his grace? We've heard it before. It is God's unmerited favor, his undeserved stuff that he saves the best for last. It's the stuff that he hides in his pocket that only he carries because his grace, what does the Bible say? My grace is what? In other words, my grace is enough. So whenever you get into a point where you're starting to struggle, don't worry about it because my grace is enough. If you'll just come boldly before me, you'll figure out that my grace is enough. Whenever you get stuck in a jam and you know you blew it, God's mercy got you on one hand and his grace for your time of help has got you on the other. But 
But the challenge is the lack of boldness. When's the last time you asked the Lord for the unthinkable? I'll let that one sit there for just a second. When was the last time you asked him for the unthinkable? When you had that one thought that you said, no, that is absolutely ridiculous. And decided to let it sit there and not pray about that. When was the last time you prayed a bold prayer? When was the last time you approached him and said, Lord, I need this and I need it right now? When's the last time you asked him to do something supernatural and miraculous? If you haven't been asking him those things, the sad reality is, is that you don't believe he can do it. Because if you believed he could do it, you would ask him. My kids don't ask me for my stuff. They take it. I still have a problem with that. But they better thank the Lord I understand the concept better. But they have no questions. They come boldly because they know they're going to get what they need from me. When you don't pray boldly, how many, and I will say in, in, in business terms, how many times have you left money on the table? Because you've not trusted him in a way that would benefit you. He says, without faith, it's impossible. It is impossible, not improbable, not doubtful. It is impossible to please him without faith. And when your faith is, is strong, your boldness follows. When you become bold in what you're asking and what you're praying, then you begin to anticipate what God is doing and watch to actually see if he does it. How many of you have ever been in a situation, younger or older, where somebody said, oh, I'm getting ready to do this, and you're like, I dare you. You ain't doing that. You're not doing that. Oh, yes, I am. I'm not doing Yes, you are. I'm not doing that. And you watch to see if they're actually going to follow through with what they said they were going to do. And you know when they said it, it was a bold statement. It was a bold thing to do. Give you a, uh, a quick example. Uh, this week I was in a restaurant and um, while I was in the restaurant, some people came into the restaurant that we probably would all recognize. And so I'm sitting with uh, the person I was meeting with and I said, by the end of this meal, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go talk to them. And so I sat there and I let an hour pass. I mean a good hour um, before I got up and said anything. And so I had to literally put myself on a shot clock and say, okay, you're going to take three more drinks of water. <laughs> After you take that third gulp, turn around and get the stepping. Took that third gulp. That third gulp took a little longer than the other two. And I began the conversation. Guess what? I don't know what's going to happen. But guess what? I, because of that conversation, I do expect the Lord to move. I do. 
I expect him to move. I've been asking since that meeting. I've been like, Lord, I want you to do this. This would be great. Can you do this too? Like, can, and, and can it come in this form? And, and can that come connected to other people? Why not? Because he is my father. Why should I not ask him for what I need and for what I want? We used to put Christmas lists together for our parents every year. Whether we believed in Santa Claus or not, whether we pretend to like we believe Santa Claus or not, we put together a list, and when we put together the list, we may not get everything, but we expected that we were getting something on that list. Amen? So when you form your prayer list, why don't you expect to get or receive anything that's on that list? When your mindset changes, you begin to expect more. But if your mind stays the same, you expect what you've got. You expect what you've already had. You're not thinking of the more that the Lord would love to give you. You're thinking, uh, you're preoccupied and concerned with the less that you have. But man, when it comes to boldness, there are plenty of us in here who require healing and we haven't asked boldly. Some of us need a financial breakthrough and we have not asked boldly. Some of us need the Lord to move in a miraculous way and we have not asked him to move. Listen, faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is the fact that you continue while fear stands and watches you do it. So today, as we stand to our feet, I'm going to ask for some folks, yes, I'm going to ask for another bold step. It's often ironic the number of things that we want to get from people that we do not know or have relationship with. So we want our lives protected and we want our homes protected and we want our livelihoods protected without knowing the person who is the protector. And so today we talked a lot about boldness and changing our mindset. Part of changing our mindset comes in the form of a, of a few things that we were taught last year. And it's settling some things in our heart and our mind. It's number one, that God loves us. It's also that God created you for a purpose. He created you to be productive and that he actually believes in you. But unless you know Jesus, some of you don't know that. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. And I've got a bold question, bold statement. I'm going to ask you to meet me at the place of exchange. We just want to pray with you. And we want to welcome you into the family and into the kingdom. But one of the things I'd like to do now a little differently is it asks for those who are struggling with fear to come to the altar. Father, we're grateful today for the change that only you can break. Father, we pray that you break the chains of fear that are preventing us from becoming all that you have called us to be. The chains that 
prevent us from being bold and courageous. But yet we wind up sitting in our seats or in our places, scared to take the next step forward, oh God. Father, we pray that you break those chains right now. You are our Father and we have no reason to fear you. We have no reason to fear our circumstances. We have no reason to fear our surroundings. We have every right to come boldly before you. Boldly before your throne of grace. So that we can receive your mercy and your grace that helps us in the time of need. Father, you have promised, like you said to David way back in the Psalms, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever 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 and ever. Father, allow them to take the next step while fear stands beside them and watch. Allow them to be bold and courageous in the next step that they take. We thank you for the victory that you have in store for them, for the change that you have already broken for them, and the way that you've changed their mindset so that they can walk freely and become all that you've called them to be because you believe in them. So, Father, we thank you for all that you've done here today. We thank you for how you've changed our mindsets today. And so we ask that you would bless the rest of this day as we walk in a renewed mind so that we're able to prove the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God really is. So we praise you and we honor you and we give your name glory for all that is due your name. And we shout the victory because we know you've already given it. We don't have to wait for something that you've already provided. You've already guaranteed it, and we want to walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you that you're still working. Uh, we're going to hold up our Bibles, and we're going to continue to let the Lord work. Because we are no longer slaves to fear. Why are we not slaves to fear? Because this Bible tells us that we're no longer a slave to anything. Because this book is mighty and powerful. Cuts through the bone and the marrow, even down into the hints and tents of the heart. So let's raise this Bible real high. And say it with everything we got. This, Bi this Bible is our primary source of faith. This Bible is the rule of conduct. This Bible creates the lens that we see life through. And as we leave this place, but never God's presence, Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless you.